0: 80 to 85% of that is transfer growth. At the same time that you're listening to those stories, what you're not actually often hearing is the number of churches, the churches of 30 and 50 that are closing their doors every year right around those churches, and transfer growth happens. What are we saying in all this? We're not doing the greatest job reaching people for Jesus Christ. Now, is church attendance the marquee thing? No, but it tells a story. It really does tell a story about church growth. It tells a story about people coming to know Jesus Christ as well. So the question this morning is, why do we do all of this? What we've talked about this month for Celebration of Hope. Why do we serve the poor? Why do we go on mission trips? Why do we care for the school that we're a part of? You know that for the third graders in this school, we're covering the EOGs. Um, EOGs, end-of-grade tests, are horrible. They have to go proctor one of those tests. You basically sit or walk around for several hours not being able to communicate with the students unless they need another pencil that's about all you do the whole time so not very exciting but we have decided to adopt the third grade and just cover it for them um, in fact we have a couple slots if you wanna come and be a part of that blessing uh, let me know and I'll put you on the list now why do we do things like that as well at the end of the day, there is really one main reason we do any of this, and it is because we want to see people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's our goal. That's what we're about. We want to draw people back to God. We've put it in our slogan to help one more person find their way back to God. That's why we have it there. That is the purpose of what we do. If you come to really come to church or you, you are a Christian and you don't have that as part of your game plan at all, you are missing a huge chunk of what God calls us to be about. And that's really what we're talking about this morning. And we're struggling that in the American church. Let's take a look at John chapter 3. It's in your notes this morning. This is what the Bible has to say. John uh, writes this in his gospel. It says this, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. And so there's this metaphor that's often used in Scripture of this light and dark. John uses it uh, uh, to, uh, to a huge level if you read the Gospel of John, this light and dark. In fact, Jesus is called the light of the world. And then we also find that Christians are called light as well. Here's really the Gospel recap on the whole thing. The world was full of darkness or full of sin. So, God sent the light. He sent Jesus into the world to save us from the darkness. And once we receive the light, Jesus, we are to share the light because Jesus said this. Listen to this passage. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see, as believers, we are meant to shine. We are meant to be different. We're meant to live our lives differently. We're meant to speak differently to people. In fact, when they see us, they should think differently. Now, I'm not saying that that means we need to all go move into a compound somewhere, you know, and, and that kind of thing. That's not what I think the Bible is talking about at all, where people would say, those weird people up on the hill. That's not what I think the Bible is talking about. But wherever you're at, in whatever you're doing, you should be different. You should look different. You should behave different. Now, I've been in the, um, I guess we call this the Bible Belt, right, for three years, four months. Now, before here, I lived in Chicago, which, you know, would not be the Bible Belt. Um, I lived in Arizona, which, which would really not be the Bible Belt either. And I lived in Los Angeles, all right? So these are different contexts entirely. Now, I moved here, and I really strongly believe this. Don't get offended. That as Southerners, we really rest and maybe even have our excuse that we live in the Bible Belt and everybody's a little bit more Christian down here. But it doesn't really necessarily mean we're making a difference or we're being different. In fact, um, I go to gyms, you know, I I go to uh, hang out at places. Now, at my work where I work, everyone's a Christian. Um, So, but where I go and I, I hang out at places, I purposely put myself in locations where people don't know the Lord. And there's always somebody in that mix that tells me they're a Christian and tells me what church they might go to. And yet, when I watch, I'm thinking, how in the world does it look any different than anyone else I see at the gym or, or wherever else I'm at? And the question for all of us is, are we shining? Are we a light? You know, you see the metaphor of a light on a hill. You take the high point, you put a light up on it, you should be able to see that from everywhere around. If you remember the scene from the Lord of the Rings where they light the big torches on top of all the hillside and it spreads and spreads, it sends a signal. Why? Because you can see it on the top of the hill. And that would be our question. I mean, are we that kind of light? Do you view yourself as that kind of light? When people look at you, do they say there's something different? Or I know they're a Christian, or they make different decisions, or the way they they treat their kids is different, or just on and on and on. Are we a light? Are we shining something differently? That's what the Word of God is telling us. Now, in our American church, especially in our contemporary-based church, we have tended to internalize and individualize Christianity. Meaning I kind of take it in myself, and it's it 's how I interpret it and feel it and experience it, and we also individualize it, meaning i, I kind of I kind of see everything based on how I see it. Um, often our worship songs are are sung in more of the first person uh, as well and and so sometimes we actually individualize our whole Christian experience and that wasn't what Jesus was talking about when he turned to Peter and he said, Look, Peter, you're the rock on this rock. I'm going to build my church. He was talking about this is going to be a collective, you know, corporate you know, powerhouse that people will not be able to stand against. That was the church. In fact, we find in the first two centuries, the church grew so rapidly in the first, in fact, the church grew way more rapidly in the book of Acts then the church grew during the time of Jesus Christ. So in Jesus' three years, uh, he did pretty great work. I mean, he's Jesus, right? But then in the book of Acts, we find that his followers went out, and in just a very short period, the church absolutely exploded. Now this continues on even after the book of Acts, uh, the, the time of the book of Acts, and we find for the first couple centuries that the church just went gangbusters. And you know why it went gangbusters? these people lived the word of God out to a T. If you read Acts chapter 2, and it talks about selling what they had and giving to anyone in need, taking each other in and caring for one another as a family, these things were so evident that the church exploded in growth. In fact, we know what was left kind of uh, of the Roman Empire, what was kind of Left there, they actually their strategy was: we are now because the Christians are gaining such power in the way they're living their lives, we are going to now outgive the Christians, we're going to outserve the Christian, outlove people than the Christians, so that people will now you know turn to us instead of these Christians. Well, that backfired; it didn't work very well. And uh, by the fourth century, G- uh, Christianity actually became legal and became you know really the it was the religion of of the of the known world of the powerful world. At the time, Um, just in those first couple years, why? Because people lived out their faith; they lived it out, and that's that's pretty amazing. Um, I want to tell you about somebody in our church who's been coming for just a short period of time. Her name's Andrea, and um, Andrea just found out she has cancer. The doctors are giving her not. Too long to live unless there is a very successful surgery that's going to happen tomorrow morning. Be in prayer early in the morning um, for her. And I was talking with her about this. She's, she's been coming, she knows Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, obviously, she's scared um, in, in what's going on. And I was thinking about this as I was writing this sermon. And I'm going to ask you if you had the cure to cancer this week, would you share it with Andrea? I mean, Would you tell her the cure? Would you tell her what she needed to do to be saved? In a heartbeat, you you wouldn't even need me to ask you. You would be searching people out that had cancer and you would be giving them this cure that you found out. In the same way, guys, we have experienced the hope. We have experienced the hope in Jesus Christ. And the hope for the better life here and hope eternal to live eternally with God in heaven. We have that hope. And can you think about having that hope and having that understanding and not getting out and sharing it with somebody else? And not looking for the opportunity to share it with somebody. Now, I know what you're saying. You, you might think, well, I'm not really a preacher. or I'm, I'm not, yeah, that, That's really not what I do. That's not necessarily what we're talking about. We're talking about claiming what God has done in our life and what the Word of God says, going out and living it out, and when opportunity arises, sharing with somebody with our mouth what Jesus has done for us and what he can do for them. That's being a light. That's sharing with somebody the cure for cancer if you have it. And yet, often, especially in American Christianity, we don't do that often. It's, it's out of our comfort zone, um, I'm busy, I've got other things to do, I don't really have time for that kind of thing. Well, you know, what, if they, you know, what if they, I don't know, mock me, or um, more so in, in the adult world, I think we just think, well, what if they just don't respond very, one, very well and it'll be awkward relationally from there on out. We have so many things built up on why we don't do this. But here's what, here's what I want you to hear this morning. Now that we've received the lights in your notes at the bottom and made a decision to live the light, this is our final role. This is our role. To play is to share the light with the world. That's what we're now here to do. See, I I think that sometimes we think that when I become a Christian and I receive the light, my life is transformed, that somehow we lose sight and forget that, and we think, well, now it, what's left is kind of to live out my days and have really good days as a Christian or to have some better life. But that's not really the goal. It, God's Word more tells us, no, now you are part of the force. You're part of God's great um, advertising ploy to go share His Word. In fact, did you know that you, myself, we are plan A for God to share his word. We're it. We're plan A. And read God's word. There is no plan B. There's no plan B. We're plan A and B doesn't exist. Now I know sometimes people say, oh yeah, but God's nature, it's beautiful. People come to know by seeing. Well, yeah, yeah, one in a million. Your plan A to go out and to share your faith with somebody else and to talk to somebody else about Jesus Christ, to invite them to come and to be in church with you, to experience it, and to hear what God has to offer their life. In fact, for every single one of you that can share a story about how you came to Wendover Hills, whether it was by invitation or the impact that maybe the Lord hit you with in this church, that's your ticket. That's your invitation right there to somebody else and to invite them in. Do you live far away? Well, maybe you do, but you drive here, and God impacted your life. Now, is it hard time-wise sometimes on Sunday morning? Yeah, I live right down the road. It's hard uh, sometimes, you know, but you make it. So share what God has done in your life, and invite him to be right here with you. How do I share the the light with the world. Let me just read you a passage. This comes from Ephesians chapter 5, and then I want you to specifically pay attention to the last line of this passage. Here we go. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases The Lord, you see what he's saying right away. Paul's writing this; he's saying, "Look, you got to live like a Christian, and live like it. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible." This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Listen to what he says here. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. You see, what Paul's getting at here is, as believers, as people who want to make an impact and shine our light, we've got to first think just, how do you live your life? How do you live? What do people see when they see you? Do they see different decisions? Is it even confusing to them why you choose to do what you do because you're following God's word, living as light? And really, these are opportunities that are around you. And and Paul's basically saying, what are the opportunities around you? Well, what are these opportunities that Paul's talking about? It's this opportunity to be a light. So every time you're at work, at school, or wherever you're at, it is this opportunity to be a light to someone else. And that's what he's talking about here. Now, there's this great story um, of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Let me fill in that blank for you. Take the opportunities that God gives you. Um, if you like stories about evangelism, this story of Philip and the Ethiopians for you. If you like stories about cross-cultural ministry, th- this one's for you. If you like stories about like mystical kind of things, this story's for you as well. Um, so wherever you come from, this is kind of you. Now, um, I don't have time to read the whole thing. Let me just kind of highlight this story. It's found in Acts chapter 8. And basically this is what happens is the Lord speaks to Philip. And he says, Philip, I want you to go down, and I want you to minister to this guy on a road. And Philip obeys. So God speaks to him, and Philip says, okay, I'll go down and, and I'll do that. Now, when I say minister here, this is what minister meant. He went down and he opened up conversation to try to talk to him about Jesus Christ. That's how it worked. He went down and he just opened up conversation. And so, uh, God approached him. God said, hey, go. And Philip obeyed, and he went. And then this man, after being asked, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He was was reading from the prophet Isaiah. The guy said, well, how could I really know unless somebody helped me? Well, that was the open door. That was the opportunity for Philip. And so, what does Philip do with an opportunity? He throws an invitation in immediately. And after that invitation he opened up the scripture and he just shared with him what he knew about Jesus Christ. He just walked him through the scriptures. And so he just shared with him who Jesus was and what he's about and what he could do. And guess what happens? Life changed. Ethiopian becomes a believer right there. I mean, they baptize him right on the spot. Right there. In fact, it's the Ethiopian that suggests, hey, here's some water. Why don't I be baptized right now? Life change happens on the spot. This simple little pattern you could take advantage of opportunities every single day wherever you're at. If you just listen to, if you listen to God saying, hey, you know, you should probably share with Jesus about that, to that person. And you say, okay, okay, God, I will. How do you want me to do this? And then you wait for the right open door. And when the right open door happens, then you step in and you offer the invitation. The invitation isn't always, hey, come be in church with me. Though that's often an easy and a good one but it could be any number of things. Hey, you want to go to lunch and talk about what we were talking about before? Anything like that that opens up a door for you to share about Jesus Christ. Hey, let me tell you about when I was going through that and my wife and how we came out of it. And you share that story with them. And then it's amazing how often at the end of those stories, in the end of that time, or after somebody had contemplated, guess what happens? Life changed. Now, let me tell you about a guy. Last year we were playing softball, and uh, Andrew back here on drums, you know, he came and said, would it would be okay if my brother came and played softball with us. And I said, you know, okay, um, they're really they're supposed to be coming to church, that's kind of the league rules here, but um, I know, you know, really in our heart, we're always trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. And so if there's any opportunity that that's our focus, then, then absolutely, why don't you come and have him play? Then Andrew said, yeah, uh, I want that, but you, know, you need to be really careful, is really what Andrew was telling me about the invitation. I, I, you know, we, we really could spook him away. And so I said, oh, okay, alright we'll, we'll figure out how to l- slow play this one. And so we, we played softball, and after that, not much contact. And wouldn't you know, lo and behold, Andrew would show up with his family to church last fall. Um, And one of the most amazing conversations I had with Andrew was when God had really grabbed his heart after being here, and he was this text message back and forth about what God was doing in his life, and what he was calling him to, and and how impacted he had been in in hearing God's word, and the music, and and everything here, being part of it with you here. And uh, so I get a text from from Tim this week, and Tim basically, he's asking, um, can I get baptized? (laughs) Um, coming up on June 1st. And I'll tell you, I, I, last week I, I moved into a new house, which w- was really exciting. Um, we've got some, some movement on a building, which, which is exciting. We'll talk about that at the, at the business meeting. But I'll tell you, the most exciting news was just that, that, that just two minute text conversation about somebody who was far from the Lord, came to our church, connected, the Lord grabbed his heart. And in just a couple of weeks, you're going to see him baptized right here. I'm telling you, folks, that is what we're talking about in reaching people for Jesus Christ. And his brother was part of making that happen. Now, you all, too, were in a way. But his brother was part of that. His brother was the Philip in this story. Why can't you be the Philip as well? I mean, who is Jesus calling you to talk to and to bring to the church? To, to minister to or talk to about Jesus Christ. We all can be this. None of us need to be seminary trained to do any of this. Just live the life, just live it out. Here's the application Why should I share the light with the world? Why should I do this? Here's according to USA Today, this is January 2008. 86% of unchurched people believe that they have a good relationship with, with God. Uh, where they can have a good relationship with God without belonging to a church. So most people believe they don't need to go to church to have a relationship with God. That's what they believe. We've found that it really doesn't normally play out. There is a direct connection in Christian growth and staying plugged into your local church. Not being plugged into a local church, uh, uh, a decline in, in any faith that might be, what, be there. That's, that's just what we've learned. Um, but 86 actually believe they don't. However, 78% of unchurched say that they would be willing to listen to somebody tell what they believe about Jesus Christ. What does this mean? In other words, even people who don't go to church want to hear about Jesus Christ. I remember early on when I was (laughs) just starting out in the church world, and I was green as could be in the pastoral world, and in fact, when I look back, it probably helped me a lot to be kind of green. But I remember people would say things like, well, I would invite them. They're, they're not really church people. You ever, have you ever heard people say that? Have you ever used it yourself? Um, that is the exact person we want you to invite. The most unchurched you can find, that's, what we, that's who we want you to invite. That's our goal. That's our mission. That's what we have to be about. <coughs> hearing testimonies like we shared with Tim is just one. We have, we have to keep hearing about those. And so God has called us. We're the plan A. In fact, you and our, we are designed to be this arrow <laughs> that, that points to Jesus Christ. And we do that with our life, we do it with our service, and we do it with our invitation. I want to encourage you and challenge you. I want to tell you, if you are not currently opening up relationships, or using relationships, working avenues, trying to see where God is opening up a door so that you can specifically talk to them about Jesus, or specifically uh, offer an invitation to come be with you in a church, you are missing a huge part of what God has designed you for and called you to be. And guess what? And I believe this with all my heart. You are way, way better at it than you think you are. You are phenomenal at it. You just haven't believed it and stepped out and done it yet. I guarantee, if you'll do it, you'll be amazed that one day soon you'll be a part of the same story that I shared uh, about somebody else, that I shared about Tim. I want to pray for you in this area, and then (coughs) we're going to have our Celebration of Hope offering in just a minute here. (coughs) As we go before the Lord as we're praying here, can I just ask you, I want this whole prayer as you're praying, will you visualize right now one face, two face, a dozen faces? I want you to visualize people that you know don't know the Lord and that you have a connection with. They're in your sphere of influence. In fact, you're the best person to reach them if the Lord would give you opportunities and open up doors. Would you visualize those faces right now? Uh, you know the names for them. Or if you don't know the name, um, maybe the Lord wants to to pave the path even this week to open up a, an opportunity for you to learn who that person is. Visualize that person right now. Father, we commit these faces to you. These are the people, Lord, we want to see come to know you as our as your Savior. These are the people that we, we want to see uh, sitting with us here. These are the people we want to see getting baptized here at our church and celebrating in their testimony of change their lives. Lord, We realize, though, Lord, and and maybe for somebody out here, it's the first time they realize, Lord, that it is us and it is them that you're going to use to reach somebody for Jesus Christ. And if we choose to say no, then, Lord, there might very well be a chance that they're reached by nobody. And so, Father, would you spark within us, push us. Lord, even this week, as often the best way is just to jump headlong into something right away, And then see the fruits. Even this week, would you give us opportunity to speak your name? Lord, we're going to get rejections. We're going to get no's. It's just part of it. We'll keep loving people and serving people and being great friends. But help us to open up a door. And we would pray as soon as next week or the week afterwards, in in the next couple weeks, Lord, our prayer would be that there would be people sitting right here. I would view them from where I stand. That we would say, they're here because somebody got, got motivated. They're here because the person sitting next to them got really excited about reaching somebody for Jesus. And then, Lord, we would share incredible testimonies together. I know it can happen, Lord. We pray your power and strength on it. In your son's name, amen. Well, amen. It's why we do what we do. And I want every person at Wendover Hills to be a part of it. Well, we're going to take our offering this morning. Now, uh, we're going to only take one offering, so distinguish for us your tithe and your celebration of hope. You can use the envelopes right there. Use two envelopes if you would like uh, to do two different ones or just at least distinguish the amount on one envelope would be very good. If you're writing a check, if you would in the memo section of the check, write what each one goes to so we're able to distinguish. So um, so again continue with uh, faithful tithes and offerings as you've done the last couple of weeks and then really be generous as the Lord has put on your heart. Now some of you uh, already told me this morning you didn't come Prepared? You weren't ready to give uh, today for the celebration of hope. Just make sure you look on the back of the of the the bulletin and in the, the address and get that in this week so that we can. Okay. Oh, we got a hand already. Yes. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, thank you. Um, just, just for sake, if, if we confuse anybody, this Celebration of Hope offering is for Caroline's promise that we're sending down. The lunch is specifically for the three that are, are going from the church, so, so we're kind of keeping those separate. Pay the lunch as you go through the line would be great. Thank you for that, just in case we, we get that wrong. All right, good, good. Well, why don't you stand up? Our ushers are going to come through and, and have our final offering, and the praise team will lead us. Just...